Um, Hey, everyone. Welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela. Hello, hello, hello. We are here. Uh, My spring break is over. I just came back from the Central Coast, and they made an arrest in the Kristen Smart case, and I'm obsessed. But that has nothing to do with this podcast. Um, I'm very excited to be here today uh, to see the beautiful face of Mr. Dave Yates. Oh, hey, everybody. We we got murder on the coast and we're doing podcasting today. So what 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 a beautiful day it is. It is April 20th, uh, the holiday for stoners everywhere. So jazz cabbage is in the air. <laughs> Every time you say jazz cabbage, you are 85 years old. <laughs> that's perfect. I don't I don't care anymore. Like I once you've once you've scraped resin to get high, like you could talk about it however you want. Like the kids these days are just about the flower and the dabs, and I'm going to be 75 when I reference my marijuana usage. Aren't we grateful that like we're not booked on shows tonight where we have to explain that we do have 420 stories, but we will not be in a room full of smoke, so we'll be in the parking lot and tell our set. Have, have you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I do, I'll do full full sets about recovery shit and someone will come up to me afterwards and offer to buy me a beer so that's nothing (laughs) i'm just you know i'm just glad that you know i was always the girl when i was in high school i i um i sang opera so i had like the kind of lungs where no one would give me the joint or the uh or the pipe first because they were like anna's gonna just crush this (laughs) You're going to hate me, but I'm sure they didn't share cocaine with you either. No, they actually, there's, there's a fun story. Wow. I love how like fun and off the rails we are already, but, um, uh, there's a fun story. Yeah. We got to reel it in. I, well, I, I once got kicked out of the house, uh, because no one wanted to hear me talk that much. So I have a podcast now. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. People, people pay dollars. That, s- several dollars a month to, to Patreon, the podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Well, clarity. Yeah, statement. Cla- let's We're get a clarity statement on this 420. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast. We believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening yay uh dave i'm very excited for today's guest mm-hmm. I'm- who are we speaking with today hey how's it going is that is that me yeah that you inter- you introduce yourself it's All always right. mad awkward especially yeah. with other podcasters because they're like wait a minute i'm not supposed to do this part <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. I appreciate the empowerment. Uh, my name is Patrick Holbert. I'm a comedian. I'm also sober for uh, like 12 years and I uh, love talking recovery. I've only listened to one episode of y'all's <laughs> podcast, the John H, aka Dirty Dick episode, yeah. and I Dirty loved Dick it. John. Uh, 
So, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be here and I appreciate you having me. I love that you called it the dirty dick episode because Dave was like, what, what episode are we releasing this week? And I was like, uh, dirty dick, his John, John, dirty dick. That's I, that's all I can remember him as now. I should change the episode title to dirty dick. It's so funny because like, I forgot that I knew that about him. You know, like as far as the selling point of the podcast was just like he and I used to work together and he's a real good dude. He's got a lot of clean time. It's like, but I knew he used to work in the adult film industry and he had a lot of meth stories. So if you're listening to Patrick's episode and you want to hear some meth stories about a man who slung peen in the adult film industry, take a step back to the previous episode. Yeah, thanks for listening, but you're listening to the wrong one. Go no, back. No, no, no. Right this is the right, right one. We're very excited to have you. Um, most of my experience of you is a little square in a box and an adorable child. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, isn't it weird? COVID meetings and recovery, it's like we're connecting with people around the country through Zoom. Um, and that's that's so funny that, like, I've never met you in person, but yeah, we we know all this stuff about yes, each other now. Yes, I, um, I'm the gal so in the bathrobe so who's cool. like, I'm awake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I loved what you just said about Dirty Dick Dave. Uh, Dirty Dick Dave, I love what you said about Dirty Dick John, that uh, you knew that stuff about him, but you don't. You, it's not top of mind, because mm-hmm. in recovery, we, we like know this the 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 new version of everyone right mm-hmm. but everybody comes into these rooms having this whole backstory and this other life that they lived and we get to know the second life and then get these like peeks into their past life and it's just so interesting to me i love that right or it's just i'm a bad podcaster no <laughs> i just i'm not taking the most interesting part of the guest and putting it on display no no well because i mean y'all got there so. This this podcast will get there wherever there is. It will find it will find there, and it will sit there, and it will it will explore it. And that that's what's very exciting. <laughs> and I you know I I understand that because I was in I was in recovery for many years before I actually started doing stand up. And so I have I have my my life before recovery, and then I have my life before stand up. And so I totally get it. It's like we mm-hmm. have these chapters and, and it does make people into infinitely interesting. Like, like starting in the entertainment industry, I always ask people like, Oh, what do you do? Like, where are you from? Where you been? I get real personal. And I, I had a friend tell me like, don't say that because people think you're trying to see what you can do for that or what they can do for you. But for in right. my little brain, I'm just like interested in like, so what's your story? Like, who are you? Like, what's happening? <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like a real person. Uh, that's, yeah. I try to be. Yeah. There... I think we are all trying to be. Everybody on this Zoom is trying to be, right? Not me. No. <laughs> I'm trying to be fake as fuck, yo. I'm trying to fucking hoodwink everybody into thinking I'm good. <laughs> Dave. That's the thing is you can't. <laughs> You're so you all the time. It's got it's fantastic. That's why we're that's why we're friends. This is this is beautiful and lovely and I want to get into your story. I want to hear everything about everything about you. So, um so question one. Question one, like how how do you experience surrender or how did you experience surrender back when? Yeah, I was I was thinking about this and of course I want to tell everybody how I got sober. What was the big surrender around that? Um, 
Because, you know, you go to meetings and uh, you hear people say all the cliches. Like, one of my favorites is when, like, old dudes are like, uh, surrender to me is like, you know, you come in here and somebody says to you, the war's over and you lost. So give up. Give up the fight. Just go with the flow. Cotton out of your ears. You remember You remember Vietnam? It's over. Uh, by the way, without <laughs> yeah. you actually saying where you're based out of, you just told everyone you're from New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I went through that with booze, you know, like, uh, just like everybody does. Yeah. Like, I needed to save a relationship and whatever. And I could tell that whole story, but I have a more recent surrender that I thought might be more interesting. Um, so, we've all heard the cliche that, like, a uh, program, like, one program can often become a, a bridge back to life and then a tunnel to other programs. Uh, and for me, recently in the last few years, my wife started, I met my wife in recovery. She had started going to DA meetings, uh, which is debtors anonymous mm. for people with money, money problems. And I, uh, because eight years ago, I gave up a very lucrative career to like chase this dream. And I did not have a financial plan. And over the course of eight years, my finances got totally fucked and ruined. Uh, so I started going to those meetings with her just sort of like, well, I'm not the one with the problem. Like, she has a problem with spending and money. I, but I should and go. And I gotta go support I can, the lady. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could pick up some tools. You know, it'll be good for me. And it's like a lot of, like, people talk, like, artist way language there. You know, like a lot of people with vision boards and morning pages, all that stuff, which I love. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll go to these meetings. But then for about two years, I would, like lurk i was a lurker in the meetings i would go like once a month uh but then it, uh, january 2020 things were real bad like i i do i do a bunch of stuff to like make my living you know mm -hmm. like i i do video production mm -hmm. i work a little bit in the recovery field um and then comedy of course and January 2020, I had all these projects cancel and my money situation was real bad. I was $35,000 in debt, uh, couldn't pay the minimum on the credit card. Like that had become unmanageable. I could barely afford our mortgage. It was looking rough. And my wife was like, are you going to like come to these meetings for real? And I finally, because I think two weeks of video work got canceled. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a 90 and 90 at DA meetings. So I started going there every single day, uh, pretty much up until COVID hit. Um, so it was truly this feeling of thinking, like thinking the whole time, I know what I'm doing with money. I'm the one with earning power. My track record is great with money. I'm always, I've always been good at spending or saving and I don't spend frivolously. Once I, once I figure this out, then I can get back on track. Like very similar to like drinking, like where, I always thought, I'll get my shit together one day. Like, I don't drink too much. This isn't that big of a problem. Like, these people just got to get off my back. I'll work it out, you know. But it turned out I needed help. So it was it, basically, I guess I'm sharing that I finally said, okay, I'll go to these meetings and I'll go to them every single day and I'll do what people tell me to do and I'll just, like, turn it, really turn my will over to the will of this other group. Um, and... 
it, it, like miraculously, it, it actually helped once I consciously uh, sur surrendered. It was that feeling of like, because surrendering is like an action, I guess, is something corny somebody might say. Yeah. Someone will, yeah, so, someone will always say, too, you got to surrender to win. Got to surrender Oh, that one. That one kills me. That's, <laughs> that, but, but I see, I like that kind of shit because that makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. Uh, yeah. And, and I, and having experienced it, I think it's true. I also think that depend, depending on where you're at in your own recovery, like those, those, uh, colloquial phrases are either nails on a fucking chalkboard or they're like the nice comfort blanket that you need it's it's yes. never been like a consistent thing for me but anna sorry no i totally get it there's like for me surrender is a feeling i can actually physically feel it in my body this um mm -hmm. this uh this experience of just where do we go from here you know and i remember i remember yeah. feeling that when getting arrested you know just like well here we are. That's always how it is for me. I'm like, yeah. well, yeah. this has run its course. I felt it over breakups. Like, I remember looking at mm -hmm. past partners and being like, oh, I'm done. This is. Yeah. Oh, we're done. Okay. And there's such I an exciting freedom that comes with surrender. And I love that you're peeling back the layer with years because, you know, you've got years, you know, and you're peeling back one more yeah. layer. And that shows that, like, we don't we don't just stop. We, we, in my, in my experience, I come from a tradition where you work the steps over and over again. And so for me, it's, I love it when I hear the experience of somebody who's like worked the steps, been through the deal and still is like, you know what? I got more layers. I got to peel them back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what you're talking about, the relief of like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I'm going to be taken care yes. of in some shape mm -hmm. or form. That is such a liberating feeling. And recently the, the way I've been feeling that kind of a surrender or just kind of giving up is uh, figuring out how to do this show I do at colleges on Zoom and like rewriting it and like stressing about it up until the night of the gig and like cramming. And then I love when it's like once they click that button and it's like so-and-so is entering the room and like the room fills up and it's like showtime, it's that feeling of like, okay, I'm jumping out of the plane yes. and I don't really feel ready, but I don't have a choice. So God, you take the wheel and let's do this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a buddy, a buddy of mine, uh, we were doing the road and we all met up for uh, diner food somewhere between like Missouri and Kansas. And uh, he's a very funny comic, but he does a lot of like religious material and he got yanked off stage in, in Nebraska or Kansas, I can't remember where he was working. And we were joking because he grew up super religious and we were talking about like the what would Jesus do thing. And he brings it up at the table. I'm like, you know what Jesus would do? His fucking time. So as long as you yeah. do your time, they have to pay you. You know, because that's when I start getting in my head about like, am I good enough to do this or not? I go, you just do your fucking time. Yeah. Whether you're going yeah. beep, 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 the whole 45 minutes, they got to pay you for doing your time, even if you suck donkey dicks, you know? <laughs> totally. Like the only, they, yeah. For anybody listening, just do the job you were hired to do, whether it's good or not. You clock in, and then you clock the fuck out when you're done. That's true. That's it. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, and there's something like that I like about that uh, idea that kind of ties back to program, which is just like, be of service. Show up. Like mm -hmm. your only job is to Shoot show up. up. Show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Patrick, what would you say up until this point has been the most insane moment that you've had, either in recovery, out of recovery, getting sober, staying sober? Yeah, so I'm glad I listened to the Dirty Dick episode. Again, if you're watching or listening, go listen to that episode. It's really great stuff. I like how pa- uh, I like how Patrick won't advocate for the quality of the current episode we're recording, but he's just like, listen, if I suck, you can go listen to Dirty Dick John. Well, no. Well, he was so great because I just, uh, I just appreciated his honesty um, and vulnerability, and I figured I would offer the same with you all today. Um, because I was thinking about the question. The question is, what's the most insane moment you've had? Uh, Because we're all in recovery. We all have crazy stories, Mm -hmm. right? Like I could sit here and tell you 30 crazy stories about shit I did when I was drunk or arrests or um, breakups or fights or whatever. Uh, But I started thinking like, I'll just share like the real insanity. And again, I'll go with another more recent story Uh, well, not story, I'll just tell you about this thing that I did um, as an eight year, so I have 12 years now, this is when I was eight years sober, Uh, I was married six months, we were not having any sex, and I was talking to my therapist about it, and she said, I'd like to know, and and actually at that point, she knew my relationship to porn, because I would talk to her about how I used porn as a way to procrastinate from doing hard work, like writing or whatever. And um, and so I'd, I'd start talking to her about the sex situation and she said, why don't we try to like stop porn? And you're like, why don't you try to stop using it? So, uh, so I ended up in this headspace where I had convinced myself, um, because trying to quit porn, I was also trying to quit sugar at the time. I was trying to work you, out every day. You were doing too much. When somebody has like six months oh, clean yeah. and they're like, they're like, I'm quit sugar and caffeine and cigarettes and drugs and yeah. sex and and I'm like, fucker, you gotta pick one. You gotta pick one. All yeah. right, you need something. Yeah. And then people yeah. forget and do that shit at eight years. Oh, I. Yeah. 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 So so flash forward to uh, my wife goes out of town. Um, and I uh, make an appointment with a sex worker who I go to their home. Uh, this is a dominatrix that uh, I met on Craigslist because uh, I started surfing Craigslist instead of looking at porn uh, to get turned on that way. And uh, classic, classic behavior like, no, this is, I, I'm, not, I'm not fucking my computer anymore. I'm just reading Craigslist. I'm just um, reading the articles. Yeah. Uh, And I go to this person's place and like the dynamic because of the BDSM aspect Mm -hmm. to it was it was very communicative and it was like there was like a pre-interview and she's asking me what I'm doing there. Like, does my wife know I'm there? And I said, and this is the most insane moment I want to share is me telling this person that I am there because my wife and I have a don't ask, don't tell open marriage so she doesn't know Mm -hmm. per se that i'm here but she would be okay with it uh if she found out um this is our arrangement etc one thousand percent not true uh i was i invented this construct based on 
a joke I had made at the uh, on a walk like years prior. <laughs> Uh, I was joking with my wife about how hot I thought a male lady was. I was like, that male lady, that postal worker is so sexy. I would love to know what it would feel like for that lady to sit on my face. And my wife was like, oh, go ahead, do what you got to do. Don't ask, don't tell. 100% joking, right? But as a comic, I'm like, I think the best jokes are based in truth. So she must mean that. Um... So I kept that don't ask, don't tell joke she made as a coupon in my head. Your wife's the military. (laughs) Well, that's a, that's a type of, that's a type of relationship that, that truly is a type of relationship and, and, but it requires so much communication and a lot of trust. And what's interesting is you're in a situation with a dominatrix, which again, the BDSM community it's a lot of communication. That's the most attractive yeah. part of that kink right. style is that you're communicating yeah. with somebody and you're allowed to have like you're allowed Yeah, it, it's not it's not the bondage or the whips. It's it's the talk. It truly is. It truly is. That's how <laughs> fucked up sex is in this country that like the most attractive part is communicating with somebody and being vulnerable with somebody without judgment. And um, yeah. and that isn't something that um, typically in straight relationships happens easily. I have gay friends that are like, man, y'all straight people have some crazy shit around sex. Like the dynamics are completely different. Yeah. And so, yeah. so it's fascinating to me that you're in a pl- space where, because you probably weren't communicating with your, your wife at the time as to why no. you weren't having sex, right? Right, right. Yeah, and that's that's where the insanity of the whole thing comes mm-hmm. in is like I rather than having a direct conversation, I just created this whole alternate reality in my head and really convinced myself that this was okay. Um and thank God, you know, it all came to the surface within a few months and we, you know, worked everything out and now we do have a full honest open and honest uh communication style around how we conduct ourselves in our marriage and other relationships. Uh, but I just, I guess I just wanted to be really, um, just throw it out there that the insanity yeah. can be on the other end of yeah. sobriety. Like I, I, you can be totally sober, but totally in, I mean, I was white knuckling my entire life at that point. I wasn't going to meetings at all. I was just doing comedy grinding it out and like really feeling entitled to doing whatever I wanted to do. I mean, sh- shout out to the pro though. The shout out to that sex worker. I, I'm a, yeah. I'm a big fan of, of sex work is work. And, uh, Look, I've had way less fucking checks and balances at jobs I held at the Motel 6, okay, than hearing that she's like pre-interview. Like we we would literally just give anybody with money a room, you know? And I'm not comparing sex sex work to motel workers. I'm just saying that people that don't say sex work is work, it's like there are literal businesses in this country that don't operate under the same checks and balance systems as some sex workers do. Yeah. Plus, you yeah. got to manage your schedule. Yeah, no, she, you know, it's like. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there. I'm sure there's Excel spreadsheets involved and fucking identifications. Got to do a little I mean, background it was, check. It was. 
It was one of the largest transactions I had ever had to make on Venmo. Uh, and uh, she Did you just say it was pizza? Because most people who do nefarious things on Venmo call it pizza. Well, I really? wrote, um, she had cats and I didn't know she had cats and I was, I'm allergic to cats. So like I walked in, I realized this person has cats and I was like, can I, can I, uh, get some Claritin out of my bag? Uh, Ma'am. I needed allergy medicine. <laughs> uh, so I ended up putting in the Venmo memo, uh, which was set to private, but I don't know why I wrote, I just wrote cat allergies in there. Uh, I'm just like, what is my problem? I don't know. I, I was in over my head for sure at the time. I mean, to kind of give you some context too, and again, that is that's such a good example of like Olympic level insanity, right? Like we just, I mean, that is the Tanya Hart. That is a Tanya Harding hitting the triple sow cow like level of like, <laughs> you know, you went for it. At- I'm glad this podcast went back to '96 there for a moment. Tanya Harding, <laughs> yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know what? Let you know. Can you see the gray in the camera? I'm not hiding it anymore. Mama's old. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm getting some as well it, up here. Yeah. There's um. There's a, you know it, it is it is fascinating. Like when I was when I had eight years, I was in a relationship that was ending, and dude got in my face. And I hadn't dealt with grief or anger up until that point. And I grabbed him by the shoulders and I pushed him through like a French Bay window. And like, Mm. I had to call my sponsor and say, I'm behaving in ways unbecoming of my recovery. And she said, she told Mm. me to get some outside help or never, never call her again. And so I Mm -hmm. understand that you can have you can have time under your belt and become an undone. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when I first started stand up, I was getting like obsessed with stand up and and really turned it into a new addiction. And like, you know, um, mm-hmm. I was single, which I wasn't used to. I made a lot of naive decisions. I slept with a married guy. Didn't know it the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? And like, I remember telling my sponsor that and she just looked at me and she was like, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 32, and she goes, Oh, honey, I was sleeping with, uh, I was sleeping with married dudes with 20, with you know, double digit recovery before you were out of diapers. Okay, calm down, <laughs> calm down. Just yeah. don't do things that bring you, um, don't do things that bring you spiritual harm, because that gets you closer mm. to using, and you do need to be accountable mm-hmm. to yourself. And it was that it's that simultaneous, both acceptance, and. Um, it's the simultaneous acceptance and and also constructive feedback that makes the power of one addict helping another uh, without parallel in this in this you know in this realm. So um, yeah, thank you for sharing that because somebody's listening right now, experiencing that insanity, and they're um, and and they're going to be like, I'm not alone. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think like shame, I'm obsessed with shame and talking about shame and, you know, exposing my own uh, in in a performative way, uh, uh, but also like working through it in a real actual therapeutic way. You you fucks um, with Brene Brown. So. That's that's a real. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. But but here's my hang up with her. She says um, vulnerability without boundaries isn't real vulnerability. It's it's like like. If, if you, it's oversharing, like yeah. if I'm just always oversharing, am I actually 
doing good. Uh, but as a comic, like I, you know, right before COVID shut everything down, I had completed this, uh, this show about the whole story that like what happened after that and what led up to it. And just basically my relationship to sex. And I was really proud of it. Um, but there are moments in that show where I'm just like sharing such intimate details about my life that I'm like, is this, is this just like self, am I punishing myself? Because uh, there are certain shows where I'll get off stage and people don't want to look at me. You know, they're like, we don't want to hear from this you know, uh, such That's and such. Every time whatever. I do stand up, dude. Shut up. <laughs> every time I do stand up, and I just talk about my wiener. So I mean, shut up. We've worked together. <laughs> yeah. People adore you. You're a you're a fucking star, Dave. Um, I'm the one where I'm like, mm. I'm like, let me peel off my Here skin. Yeah. Well, no, I went. Yeah, let's yeah. see who could. Ha- let's see who could hate their act the most in this three way conversation. <laughs> I went through a phase <laughs> where when I had those tumors in my body, I was so mad at my body, I would dare somebody in the audience to grab my boobs, and then I would be like i'd be like um jokes on you bruh those are full of tumors too that's just how women work <laughs> and like that's not a that's closer great. yeah that's, no that's no a traumatic experience yeah yeah that's i was right. assaulting the audience a little bit uh but yeah, yeah yeah that's i mean there's something very that's almost gallagher-esque you know if you got like a yeah. huge hammer yeah. out tumor like tumor titty smash. gallagher over here <laughs> <laughs> i love it I love it. <laughs> so, um, so with that all in mind, like, um, and we, I mean, we could talk about that moment all day. And I, I love that, by the way, that you, you know, you go to alternate programs. Did you ever go to a program for all the, the sex and porn stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had experience from doing the S programs before, like before it actually, became an actual problem. Um, so yes, I have. Okay. Short answer. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. So with all these experiences and different programs, how do you make decisions today? Okay. Question number three, Dave, you're so good. Um, I make, de- I make decisions with, uh, I had therapy today. So I had therapy at 11 in the morning. Um, so that's Jenny. Uh, is my therapist, and then my wife is Ross, uh, and my therapist is an art therapist. She's like, like when I started working with her, um, I said straight up, like I want more of a. I mean, I I feel so cheesy saying any of this stuff, but I feel Anna, you make me feel safe. Dave, I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> I told her. I know what I look I like. I told her. I told her I want more of a life coach. I was like, I need more of a life coach because I was four years into comedy at that point. I fi- finally figured out how to tell a joke and, you know, have a I decent five minutes. I love how we, we gauge our lives by how many years in comedy we are. I'm not trying to cut you <laughs> yeah. off, but it's just like every comic who's been doing it a while was like, well, yeah, when I was in four years in comedy, it's like you're fucking like how many tours you did in fucking Nam. That's how we no. yeah, equate yeah. our life. Shit. No, I figured it out. I, coming from the recovery world first, it's that there is um, developmental phases that you go through in both the learning mm. experience of comedy and the learning experience of 12 step. And they're almost parallel. Like they're there. It's, fascinating well yeah so i wonder if this would this would connect then um basically i i'd reached the phase in comedy where i was comparing and despairing all over the place like i was i had all of my 
friends, like my closest friends, people I actually loved, I began to hate and resent and feel jealous of and envy and like just the funkiest feeling. So I was like, I need to go back to therapy and I need to go to an art therapist who talks to performers and creators and tell her this stuff. And right away, she was just so sensible and good. And um, and I just told her I, I, I would like direct advice. Like I would like help on knowing where, like what help me find my priorities, help me find what to pour my effort into, et cetera. And uh, so now it's like when I talk to her, it's it's very, it's almost business-like, but we talk about feelings quite a lot. So like right now, it's like she's helping me lean into the writer role is what she calls it. Because um, I just I just have to edit everything I have and, and create new stuff because I don't want, I can't do this sex show forever. I can't do this recovery show forever. I'm a, I'm a new dad. I need to like talk about being a dad, you know? So um, she helps me like prioritize my creative life. Ross, uh, you know, it's like because I have to make my living in so many different ways and I'm constantly negotiating jobs and schedule and money and whatever. And sh we speak the same like money language now from that other program. I talk to her a lot about, even if it's just to run through like, all right, so this person wants to hire me to do this job. I'm thinking about negotiating this amount of money. What do you think? I'm thinking about phrasing the email this way, yada, yada, yada. So it's, it's basically the two of them help me make decisions. Uh, and because Ross is in recovery, she speaks a lot of the same recovery language. Uh, but then of course there's like an army of phone numbers uh and there's one guy in nashville who i got sober with in brooklyn i call all the time i've called dave quite a few times now about stuff uh you know always always trying to bounce things off other people because when i don't i end up in strangers apartments paying for sex thinking i'm allowed to do this <laughs> um so yeah 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 i mean that's that's I, I totally again I totally get it I totally get it like the disease is not just the the using it's just not it's just not and it can go in all these different directions and I love that you have so much accountability in your life it's kind of amazing it's kind of amazing what have you got to keep the company running yeah. got to keep the company running that HR department needs to know what's going on word right. and I I mean I I respect your ability to like. I, honestly, I'm a little envious of you and your wife's ability to talk it out and to come to an understanding and to not have, you know, um, to not have a dynamic where, you know, I, I it sounds like you're meeting halfway with this recovery stuff that you're not that neither one of you is sponsoring each other, but you're meeting halfway with a mutual language. And I think that that is that's beautiful. And I a little bit envy it, I, I have to say. Yeah, we're on a, I mean, God willing, we'll stay on it, but we're on a hot streak right now, you know, like when, when I got honest with her uh, about my infidelity, like she was the one who was like, okay, but we're going to go to couples therapy like right away. And she got us into couples therapy and uh, we just, it just all snowballed and it turned into like this extreme radical honesty in our marriage um and it's she she's the proactive one in that department because i come from a family where you just don't talk about stuff like sweep it under the rug let it figure itself out 
Um, I had, uh, at that point when that was, when, when I was sneaking around, um, I had started figuring out, I was like, well, she goes to Europe twice a year. I can just live this secret lifestyle for like a week at a time, a couple times a year. She never has to know. Um, and it's, it's better for everybody if I just live in secret. And I get so sad when I think about what that would have looked like yeah. for me, you know? Um, and just, I'm so grateful that she, uh, she, she kind of forced us to like shine all the light on everything and just pick through the mess. Well, and you really, you know, seamlessly led us into our fourth question, which is like, how honest are you with yourself and others like in that, that experience? Hello there. This is Nicole Yates, host of the DigiE podcast. Join me each Thursday as I talk to all sorts of interesting people from all over the place about food and life. Because really, isn't that all that matters anyway? That's every Thursday on the DigiE podcast. Available everywhere you get your podcasts. And hey, DigiE? Yeah, so like, I, I, I was thinking about the difference between like performative honesty and like this uh, exhibitionist guy that I, I can be. Like I was an exhibitionist before I ever drank. I didn't drink until I got to college. In high school, I was an actual exhibitionist. I would get naked at parties to like show my of dick course. to people. You were a naked guy. Was, you were the, back when yeah, it was fashionable jump. to be the fucking naked guy. You were the guy who took his yeah. dick and put it around his his wrist like a watch and showed everybody. I wish I was endowed like it must that. Be nice to have um, a fucking sizable dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was that guy, um, and. And then, uh, why did I bring that up in relation to the honesty? Uh, the point is that, um, oh yeah, I was always performing. Like, so even now with, with performing this show about cheating on my wife and the weird sex stuff I'm into and all this stuff, it's, uh, there is a part of me that wants to like eradicate shame or dispel shame or destigmatize or whatever. But there's also a part of me that's like, this is the exhibitionist getting high off of oversharing, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the more nuanced, more interesting thing to comment on with how honest or dishonest I am in life is that I am a uh, people pleaser. I am a nice guy. I'm like Mr. Nice Guy, which is a form of dishonesty. Like I my whole life have always wanted to like, I, I assume you, that means you relate. Mm -hmm. um, Anna I've likes to do like to the dapping in the video where no one can hear it. So it's like Anna was doing <laughs> the whole like hands, windows to the wall is what I call it, even though it's called like dapping. But yeah, that's Anna approves of this. Well, part. I just, I didn't want to interrupt what you were saying because I agreed with it so hard, but I also agreed with it really hard. So um, yes, that's, that's yeah. what was happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. I appreciate I appreciated it. Um, but yeah, like I I want to win people over, you know. Um, luckily, I've done a lot of work on myself in this department. But like um, when I first started comedy, it was like, well, if I just schmooze it up, like I'll find the shortcuts in this industry. And if I just win people over or in my career before that as a TV producer, it was just like, 
How do I just talk my way into the next job? How do I like just sort of manipulate? Like I, I read that book, The Game, about pickup artists, <laughs> like at the worst, at oh, the worst Neil part Strauss. of my drinking. Dude, I mean, there are like, I knew the whole time. I, I read that book. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to be one of these guys. They're, they're, all, they're all douchebags, obviously, right? But the, the, manipulator in me was like well there's a lot of useful tools in here though um and i applied that kind of like group psychology stuff to just like navigating through life so in recovery i've had to like really look at that and like look at what what are my motives like why do i why do i care about what this person thinks of me or this group of people think of me um like it's it's dishonest of me to try to like ingratiate myself with everyone you know uh so that's that's a thing that has been a thing like on a on a bad day it can you know i'll catch myself being a little bit like not really authentic um Mm -hmm. but for the most part i'm kind of like all right that that is not that thing or show or person or whatever isn't for me and that's okay i don't have to like convince myself or them uh so yeah. Oh my gosh. And that for me that ties into when you were talking about like the in the previous question the the bitter Betty phase that I think we all kind of have to go through of like everybody has more than me or whatever. And I went through that as well and um and that was a result of not getting my expectations met through the exercise of people pleasing. It's like I've been this very exhausting and authentic version of myself. Could you please reward me? You rewarded me at some point. Mm-hmm. And now you're not rewarding me anymore? I'm How entitled. dare you? Yeah. And and that's, yeah. you know, I think that speaks to, and I, I did uh, out of order the questions a little bit, which happens with me sometimes, but you were just getting right into honesty. And I just wanted to like, ooh, let's just, let's just slide into this, this, this hot tub of honesty. But <laughs> what it requires is the uh, honest self. It, you're getting into that honest self appraisal. You're getting into that discovering what's really interesting about yourself. And that is true. Like where that specific set of character defects and patterns comes from for me is a deep fear of abandonment. And mm. learning that about myself has been one of the hardest but most exciting and interesting things I've experienced. What is one of the most interesting things that you've learned about yourself in the course of your recovery? Well, um, the big one lately, uh, it doesn't, doesn't really play too much into that. Maybe it does. Yeah, maybe it does. Um, the big one is like so you mentioned you've seen my daughter in the in the zoom meetings here and there um i for all of my you know since i was a out of high school i guess i just always wanted to be a performer i always wanted to be the center of attention so i played in bands and i you know comedy obviously uh public stunts with the party stuff or just like pranks whatever i always wanted all eyes on me and I just always had it in my head that in order for that to happen to get what I really need to for that god-sized hole to actually be full I would have to be famous or something like I'd have to be uh, like ultra successful right and that on a bad day I still think I need that right Mm -hmm. um but ever since um 
I mean, I think once I got the validation in my career that I could like make this show and then go, you know, make a living doing just comedy, um, which hasn't quite happened yet, but it feels like might happen at some point. Um, that gave me some kind of validation to where, and then the, the, the radical honesty in my marriage led me to feel like I have a fucking awesome life. If, if I plateau here and like top out here, I'm happy. Like I've actually been, I've sat on airplanes and thought like, if this plane went down, like I would have had a great life, you know? And I, I've said that to my wife and it does not make her happy. Um, as, as he turns the to the old passenger next to him, he's like, hey, if, you know if this plane went down, for no fault of what I'm about to do, we'd be okay. You're like, just, that's not something you tell strangers on a plane. It's just like, if this plane goes down, you know, we'd be okay. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be yeah. wild as if um, that person turned and said, yeah, me too. And then you just like high five. <laughs> and then we give each other hand jobs and just crash into the mountainside. <laughs> uh, it, it, it reminds me of this Kurt Vonnegut quote, and I'll try my best not to butcher it, but uh, it, it, to paraphrase, it's like uh, sometimes you have to stop and look around and say to yourself, if this isn't nice, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know, great. Just acknowledging where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. So I have found it surprising that I'm enjoying like having this little family as much as I am. Like I if this child came when I was 27 and at the end of my drinking and it was like a surprise pregnancy, I would have been the guy who was like, oh, my fucking kid, the dream killer. Like I would resent the kid. I would be afraid of the kid. Um, and I would regret it and I would feel tied down. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a whole new set of responsibilities that do feel really scary and challenging, but I feel like everything I never wanted to be tied down by in my twenties are what are the things that are in fact lifting me up in my life now. So I'm like really happy to have a child and a wife and a home, um, and I, I, that is like very surprising to me because even in my first half of my sobriety, I just always thought like, yeah, it's cool. I'll be sober or whatever, but I still have to be a lone wolf if I really want to make it as like, mm. you know, I was a rapper for a time. Like I'm, I've, I've got to be a lone wolf in order to like make it or whatever. You? Can, you so, please, can you please share with us what your, what your, what your stage name was? Yeah, I, I had a couple. The first one was in college uh, when one. Snoop Dogg was big. Uh, this was also my AOL instant messenger name. I was Pediznizzle Pat. Pediznizzle oh, no. Pat. Real bad. Oh, real bad. And then... I'm going to fucking end then this the Zoom call right ah! This, this, is, is over. this is the this is the beat poetry of uh here comes rig yeah rigorous uh, when when rigorous honesty goes wrong that's that should be a segment yeah. stop it oh, stop hilarious. it Dave. you stop it i that's love hilarious it. keep going patrick come on out with it uh and then so then nerdcore came around in like 2004 2005 so i changed to pat miscellaneous which i don't think is the worst rap name in the world yeah, but that feels like a nobody else liked it. That's a good comedy name too. Um, Pat, I, you just I, I adore you. You just want to be seen and heard. 
so much. And it's it's a yeah, beautiful thing. I, I think I think I think the sad inner child in me, like on a bad day, it it presents itself as like grabby, like angry that I'm not getting that yes. attention. Mm-hmm. And then a, on a good day, it does truly feel like okay, I like I like to make people laugh. I like to be on stage. I like to say crazy things to get people laughing, and that's okay. That's how I can be of service. And I. I just have to find the balance because um, when I'm trying to just like get, 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 it can feel crazy making. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel that the, the pursuit of the balance can sometimes give me anxiety, you know, because it's just like I'm trying my best to keep, keep the plates spinning, but also like trying to like let things happen as they're supposed to happen. Patrick, how do you experience anxiety today? Oh, I am a worrier. Uh, I like to worry and obsess uh, because it feels like if I worry enough about something or if I think about it enough, I can control the outcome, um, which is just such a way, like it's, it feels like hamster wheel spinning uh, in a wasteful, uh, inefficient way, like a way that spends a lot of energy but doesn't, um, I'm not getting any nutrients out of it, you know? Uh, and speaking of nutrients, I will soothe anxiety with uh, a fuck ton of ice cream or cookies or, or porn. Uh, uh, so I will act out with procrastination or distraction with, uh, with food or sex or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of anime lately. And that's, <laughs> I'm, a th- I'm a almost 40 year old woman with a Crunchyroll account, and I watch anime, uh, that's one of my favorite escapes. I get it. Yeah, I think, I think true crime, I would say true mm-hmm. crime and like violent violence, it's like give me mutilating death and sugary foods and yeah. then I don't have to feel. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm know? telling you, I fucking can't sleep unless I'm listening to like true crime. Like I've been trying to work about uh, work out a bit about it, you know, uh, but like I literally listened to fucking murder and watched crime docs. Like that's it because, I, and I found because it's the complete polar opposite of of what I fucking consume myself with, which is creating stand up. That it's like I get a relief from it not being funny. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, oh, have you seen so and so special or have you watched this new sitcom? And like even though I'm a, I'm a comedy writer and a stand-up, it's just like, I'm just like, nah, like I don't, that doesn't, in, it, it doesn't appeal to me. Like when I get off the road, I'm just like, I just want to fucking watch something that's not fucking comedy. Yeah. You're yeah. like, I need a refreshing cup of serial killers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I love me a serial killer. I think that was like one of the things that um, Dave and I first bonded over is, after my dad died, we we had a Thanksgiving where we just made nachos and watched Investigation Discovery until we could like we could solve a crime, me and my stepmom. And like that was where my love of true crime was born is like in all of the emotional overwhelm in my life, that seemed to make sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I do I, mean, I do it love sense. me. That's why I mentioned Kristen Smart. Hey, eight oh five, what up, girl? Uh but uh, check out anything on her. Uh, it's a really great podcast in my own backyard or in your own backyard. Check it out. It's really good. Um, and they don't have ads. So I feel like 
you know, they're doing fine. In fact, if you're listening to that podcast, come over here and listen to us. We could use the numbers. Um, I don't think that's how that and works. Then, I don't think you could shout out a podcast and then they hear you. I hope so. <laughs> and then they're <laughs> like, I think it's, it's the opposite. No, I, it's like, hey, please go listen to in that. My world it, in my world, it works that way. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love how honest your journey is. And like, you know, fear and anxiety is just, uh, woo, there's a reason why that question is there. She, she lives, she looms hard in my recovery and, uh, and, you know, she pushes me. It's, I always call it the, and it's, it's, um, the engine to the character defects. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the driving force of my character defects. Um, what yeah. or the key, you, like the keys to really the, do the work? Like, what are you working on right now? Or that you've struggled with kind of, you've mentioned a few things, but you've struggled with consistently that, you know, that you're still, you're still grinding away at. Yeah, so the people-pleasing, for sure. Um, the scarcity complex, like thinking like there's not enough, that. there's not going to be enough, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get mine, what am I going to do when I don't get mine? Like the future tripping over, uh, yeah, scarcity, mm-hmm. um, which which is a lie. Like it's a lie that there's not enough for everyone. Um, yeah. Uh, the uh and related to that like deprivation like i'll like i'm wearing jeans i've had for 10 years and i was like sewing them the other day to fix them and i'm like why don't i just buy a pair of jeans like why do i deprive myself this stuff Mm. um so there's that uh worthiness that's what that is is you're you're struggling with a sense of worthiness yeah probably um and judgment i i don't Sometimes it's like the best junk food on the planet to just get in a real gossipy, judgy uh, bull session with my wife about, uh, you know, the political parties or uh, people we know or someone on TV. Like it could be anything. Like sometimes it's just so fucking tasty to like character assassinate someone or, the, or something. That motherfucker in the meeting. There's definitely like I, we shouldn't do it, but there's like in my in my home group there's a there's a real crazy lady, a real just hmm. straight up crazy person, and it, you don't say. Wait a minute, you're in a recovery meeting and there's a real crazy person. I, in I it? mean, holy she's, shit! <laughs> Tell me more. She's I know, but like <laughs> it, she'll start t- she'll start sharing, and I'll text my sponsor. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so I get See, it. This is where you need to start a Patreon. It's just a Patreon of then jumping over to talk about whoever that is. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. My fa- my favorite recent one, and I've been practicing not gossiping, so I leave the names out. But like, I, I, I watched a new TV show, and I saw a person on there acting that just the week before was saying I can't stay sober oh Jesus you know and it's just like just the statement alone is worth talking about like this is someone doesn't matter the gender doesn't matter the show this is someone who's currently on television who cannot stay sober and it's like that's just and I feel so bad for that person in theory and a tinge of jealousy Uh, but 
I feel bad because that, that person might never get sober because they have just enough to put them in the ground. Like that, and that's the yeah. bitch of the entertainment industry. Yeah. It's just like you, you could have just the amount of money to put yourself in the ground or not get the help you need because it's like what, you know, uh, there's a st- we read a story recently in one of my meetings about like how the last year of this person's recovery, they made the most amount of money as possible. And that's the sad part is that like some people can't hit what they need to hit as far as a quote unquote bottom. People like to call it a bottom because it's just like there's so there's so much at their disposal. And there's a yeah. lot of people making money off this person that yeah. they just get loved. They get, get loved or worked into the ground. Yeah. And there can become a whole uh, structure of enabling around them. Uh, it's. Yeah, I could talk about that all day. And that that's what uh, I realized. I, I'm not, when I experience that type of jealousy, let's call it what it is, like when I experience that kind of jealousy um, and maybe pity, not compassion, what, I, what I'm really experiencing is a jealousy of the ability to rely on the disease and succeed, to be in the throes mm. of the disease and still succeed and have people that allow that to happen because I don't have a life today that's set up where I can succeed. You know, when I mentioned I was like kind of addicted to stand up and addicted to the stuff I was doing around stand up, I had a certain level of success, but I could not feel it because I was in the throes mm. of the disease. And so I know where the compassion can come in for those people is that they probably also can't feel it, you know, because game Mm. recognize game. And so, so to kind of understand that, like, what I'm really jealous of is the ability to be in a state of self-will run riot and be rewarded for it because it's happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And like any good addict, if it happens once, that means It'll happen forever. And that is just not life on life's terms. And so. Yeah. And it's totally unsustainable to chase, to chase any. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was great. Oh, thank you. Well, you're. Well, you, and that's. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because, you know, you know, I love what you said about sustainability. What happened is my, 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 you know, I got really physically and mentally sick you know my body filled up with tumors and 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 i ended up on a psych med and i made people touch and I, my i tumors. did i made people touch my tumors it was crazy because <laughs> i was so mad i was so mad so i i just some guys like oh a, a fucking free titty grab and you're like tumors is like that's i love that's i a, love turning real hoodwink scenario i love turning a boner into a question mark i love it it's my favorite thing in the it's world like, why does your titty feel like there's golf balls in <laughs> mm-hmm. it? yeah i want to i want to make i i love i love taking the the joy a man can have and make it sad (laughs) how how are they now are they are they gone are they done oh what was that the tumor oh they're gone yeah i had surgery uh it was good but um but now they're in a jar in her closet so when her boyfriend comes (laughs) over she's just like you want me to dump these fucking flamaldehyde tumors on you they wouldn't is that hot baby they wouldn't let me keep them because they were like the size of grapefruits and they had and they were really like hard they were like they were like hardened by my character defects like just the level of bitterness (laughs) in my body was just 
it, they were so hard, they tried to cut them with a laser beam like a pie, and the laser bounced off, and then they had to shave it like an apple. And they still didn't get all of it out. They got most of it out. They got like 90% of it out. I, I smell a one-woman show coming. I've actually been told, I've been told uh, to do, to try to do like an Edinburgh about, because I had my period for a year. It was a whole thing. And so like when you talked about like, Ooh. I wasn't having sex with my wife, I was like, I get it. I get it when I'm like, I would love to have sex with you, but my body's exploding. Um, can we just like hold hands and you get me an ice pack? Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, there is, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that can happen to a, a woman's body. So um, I'm just saying like, you know, rub your wife's feet and tell her she's pretty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what I'm sure. saying. Yeah. But well, I'm I think so glad you're it, okay. I love it too. It's wow. like with the defects, it's like, I have to, I have to forgive myself for still having defects. Yeah. You know, like I, I'll be I'll be nine years sober in three days and I got to yes. I got to remind myself that uh, like I still have character defects and I need to I need self forgiveness is some something I need to work on mm -hmm. whether it's a defect or not. But that is also the next question. Patrick, how do you experience forgiveness in your life? Oh, real slowly and begrudgingly. Um yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hold grudges. I, uh, I, yeah, I, so I did a round of amends, uh, early on in my sobriety. I never did one with my dad. Uh, I, owe you know, I've got to make an amends with him, uh, because right. that's going to be one of those things that if I don't, if I don't do it, I'll just be like, so disappointed in myself um and i don't want to hang on yeah man like you, you got to take the time I, to do those dad amends while the dads are around exactly uh, which you know i appreciate learning your story around your family and and now you too anna like i i'm privileged to have a dad still that i can talk to anytime i want i'm a 40 year old man now I got to let go of this thing of like, well, he's the dad. I'm the kid. He should be calling me. I don't know why he doesn't call me. Like, I can pick up the phone, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I think he, you know, he he's pretty far gone emotionally. Like, he's probably clinically depressed. Uh, prob he, he is probably an alcoholic. Uh, Pack-a-day smoker. Like, I... Um, like it might lift some kind of weight off of him because because i'm bummed i didn't have the childhood i wanted to have with him uh but i'm not holding on to that every single day i do think it informs a lot of my issues but like i'm over it mm -hmm. like especially now I, I i get how scary it is to have a kid i had one at 39 he had one at 25 damn so like i can have a lot of compassion for him um, and I can just say, like, look, I, I hope you know I don't hold anything against you. I love you, man. Like, even if I said that, like, it would probably lift some kind of weight off of him. So I, pro I procrastinate around that one. Um, but then in the short term, it's like if I feel like somebody wronged me, like, again, nice guy is the first person to the, the show. And he says, oh, no, don't worry about it, man. It's cool. It's cool. I, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. But the real me, the authentic me, is like, well, why did I send out Mr. Nice Guy to have that conversation when really I am hurt and I am annoyed that that thing yeah. happened and I wish I would have said so. Um, mm -hmm. So it's funky. My, my forgiveness 
muscles are real crampy and uh, backwards and ineffective and weak. Yeah, I, um, I get that. It took me, God, about 10, 12 years to really understand the process of forgiveness, which I've talked about a gajillion times on this podcast. I'll, 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 but it, it really comes down to forgiving myself who I was in that moment and forgiving the other person for who they were and what they did in that moment. But the hardest person, again, what you said is to forgive ourselves. And often, I love what you said, why did the nice guy show up? Because those are the really hard defects for me to get to like or not defects, resentments for me to process are the ones where it's like, I didn't speak up for myself. I didn't advocate for myself or I was completely inauthentic. Again, the people pleasing, it's the completely inauthentic to being like, no, I don't, I really don't like what you just said to me. And um, mm -hmm. because it's vulnerable, it's hard and it rocks the status quo and for me creates potential for abandonment. Again, always loops back to that. So, um, you know, I love, I love that, you know, my, I call my parents my magical monsters, because they were, they were equal parts magic and incredible and so much of, informed so much of who I am as a performer and as a person, and such on an interpersonal relationship level, such a pain in my fucking ass, you know, <laughs> and so, yeah. and my dad was 39 when I was born as well. You gonna be old dad. Mm. <laughs> Hell yeah! It's gonna be great. You're gonna you're gonna be. People are gonna ask if you're the grandpa. That's what that was my dad. People would be yeah, like, totally. "Is that your grandpa?" And I'd be like, "That's my dad." And they were like, "Oh." <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. I love that. But yeah, I mean, and that kind of bleeds us into our our next. I keep saying bleeds. It's very funny. Um. That gets us into our next question. Like, what's the most interesting amends you've either gotten or given? You know, what's like the weirdest one, oh. the funniest one, the hardest one? Surprise. Um, I wanted to say, oh, yeah, I wanted to say um, I was going to go the apology route just like as a human being. Um, uh, knowing, so uh, just to share again about my relationship with my wife like I um so I I went to the sex worker uh two more times I went three times total in secret okay um, so it wasn't just that one time yeah. okay I get it well yeah. you had negotiated listen you had negotiated you got to get that punch card you know what I mean you got it you yeah, got it you're just working up <laughs> yes. to your peak fantasy so you got to you got to practice to get to some of those to get to some of those uh scenes yes. yeah yeah. So I, um, and the whole time thinking I'm on this like journey of self-discovery that eventually I'm going to tell my wife about because I, I want our marriage to include some of this stuff. So, uh, I've taken a proactive role and I've gone and started this education for myself. I have a question. True insanity. Pause, pause. True insanity. Wait, hold on to that thought. You're right, true insanity. What was your expectation of the actual conversation you were going to have with your wife? Like, hello, wife. How's it I, going? I've been I seeing a dominatrix. I, was, uh, I would like you to do some of these things. And she was supposed to be like, absolutely, of course, grabs a strap on, you know, ties you down, or like, well, what's the deal? I, <laughs> I wasn't... I wasn't jumping. I, I didn't think I would get that far. I didn't think I would get into like, well, here's what we can do. I didn't think I would get there. But so basically what happened, I, I knew like it was June 2017 and I was like, 
I got to tell her as soon as possible. I can't like let this go months and months and months before I say anything. So, but I did wait a month and we went on a yoga retreat. We're at this yoga retreat. We're like connected. We're like doing spiritual work. We're talking to yoga friends about recovery, spirituality, like this beautiful weekend, right? And on the drive home, it's a two hour drive home and a half an hour into the drive, I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna do it. And I said, I I have to tell you something. And immediately like the temperature of the car like lowered because she could tell, like I thought I was about to deliver good news, but she thought I was about to tell her I had cancer or something. Um, And I, I, yeah, I really thought it was gonna be good news, which, you know, turns out it was not. uh, uh, And it was not a good conversation or a good drive home. It was really upsetting for her um, that I had like. Was she driving so or were you driving? That was my question. Who was driving? I, I was driving. Um, it was really bad, and I still feel horrible about how that went down. Um, but uh, that night, for the next few nights, I slept on the couch. Uh, I went to a meeting that night. I had like a fifth step with a guy on, a sh- on the street that I knew from the meeting. I just like told him everything that had happened on that drive that See, afternoon. See, at first that statement, um, you're like, I just had a fifth step with a guy in the street. I'm like, would you just wrangle up a homeless <laughs> in New York City and be like, yeah. hey, yo, dude, it says I can tell anybody this and you're schizophrenic. Yeah. So here's my admission. I, I know a <laughs> yeah. dude yeah. Um, in the fellowship I got clean in that once dropped his fist step at an airport he just went to the airport and yeah. he sat there he was waiting for a plane and he sat back to back with somebody in the airport and he said hey uh person behind me i uh i'm in a 12-step program and uh i have to tell all my secrets to somebody uh would you like to hear it while we wait for this plane and he was like sure and he never made eye contact with that person he just said his entire fifth step that way wow yeah he's crazy i mean that's though. kind of an amazing what a gift to be that person where you're like like if your phone died and you couldn't find a charger like and then that happened that would be like a gift from god true yeah that's a way yeah. i thought i was gonna have to be alone with my own thoughts but now i get to hear yeah. this fucking crazy alcoholics fifth step. you know Perfect. you know i think yeah. it was like back in the 80s or early 90s it was like way before i got clean so like i think that like there wasn't any other option the guy just yeah, had to just smoke yeah. cigarettes in the airport you know yeah reading a newspaper and he was like oh this is way more entertaining yeah. I gotta hear about this hippie's experience that's amazing okay anyway <laughs> Do you do you remember that James Fry scandal? He wrote that book, A Million Little Pieces, mm-hmm. uh, and it turned out it was all bullshit. He he wrote in that. I remember reading that as an active drunk, thinking this is fucking amazing. Uh, but he, I think, I think it was in that a guy, he, the the protagonist, like does his whole fifth step like with like a priest in Italy or something, like uh, you know, just like a stranger he meets and then meets up with a few times to do it there's something very romantic about that for sure Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so so anyway it was uh, basically it was ugly it was like i dropped a bomb on the marriage that was literally less than six months old and i thought i i thought it was done i thought she was like she might like just be like fuck this like i can't start a marriage on this level of dishonesty but um I guess I'm sharing that the surprising part of how it all came out and uh, when the like the actual 
working through it in a apologetic kind of way and a restorative way was her capacity to like forgive in the moment on the fly because like when I told her what I did I didn't tell the whole truth I said I went once and then I was in trouble for a week and then we started going to couples therapy and then in couples therapy I emailed the couples therapist after our first session and I said I have to be honest with you I actually went three times but I don't want to tell Ross this because I go to this program and they say sometimes you don't like say something that could do more harm so I think it might be better if I don't tell her the whole truth and this therapist was so great because she's like it would be um, it would be unethical for me to continue our work together if you don't tell her. So just let me know if you want to keep the appointment or not for next week. <laughs> That's so, a, oh, your therapist so I, is good. And also, I know. Okay, your her capacity. Anyway, continue. I I will. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So so that's when I I was like I just like I collapsed like. T telling her yeah. like the full truth because there was also there was other stuff too it was like okay this summer it was these three visits uh i had like a massage parlor problem uh there was another massage thing sex worker situation like i just like dropped it all on her and just like collapsed crying into her arms and uh and she was just so um because at that point we had we had we had only had the one couples therapy appointment by then mm -hmm. but we had been talking about how we were going to move forward like deeply just constant like once i was out of the doghouse um and i guess i'm sharing about how surprising it was that she was so gracious like the amount of grace that she accepted me with um is kind of insane uh it wasn't like no frills or no strings attached like you know like she wasn't like a, a buddha that was just like yeah. yes my child like i love you and accept you no matter what like th it was there was a lot of hurt still and a lot of um resentment uh but i don't know if it weren't for that first phase of her like being willing to like really accept me still despite knowing all this new information that i just like it was just like this cascading revel revealing that um, I don't, if I were her, I just don't know that I could extend that level of grace. Um, so I guess I just wanted to share about how lucky I felt, I feel that um, that's, that's how I was received. Yeah. I, I have so I, many questions. I have so many questions. <laughs> One, can we interview Ross? I have to hear this story from, oh, her yeah. from her perspective. Like I have to, sure, because uh, yeah. I because because I don't. I'm listening to this, and at first, like the joke part of my brain is like, oh, she must be a real nice white lady. Because if she had been Latina, you'd be dead as fuck. Um, <laughs> but like, from a real like, from the real perspective, like I had a situation with my partner. He he didn't cheat, and I literally told him. I said I would know what to do if you cheated. I would know what to do. But what you did is you just undermined my ability to trust that you love me. And I don't know how I can bounce back from mm. that. And I am still working through that. And I just wonder, mm. like, just the thought process there and the cringe moment of, because I knew, you know, that therapist knew that you had done other stuff. All I have friends, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have family members and friends that are all therapists, like a gang of them. 
And you know that they were just like, called it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And the boundaries of that therapist, I'm just so impressed and just fantastic. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Dave, I'm going to shut up now. You had things to say. I, you know, nothing I say is super important. Shut up. Anyway, so you stop. Uh, but I think, honestly, uh, cutting out a lot of the secrets uh, from inside of me allows me to even consider a spiritual practice. I think mm. my spiritual practice was drinking and using drugs to deal with what I had going wrong with me internally. And whatever you have, whether it's pre-sobriety, whether you're not sober or not, like there's another there's another colloquial phrase that gets thrown around that we're as sick as our secrets. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily believe wholeheartedly in that, uh, you know, but I do believe in clearing out the bullshit that doesn't serve me with the with the with inventory and being honest with at least someone in your life, you know, be it a partner or a sponsor, or back to back with a fucking motherfucker at the airport. Uh, that's a new one for me. Uh, but I, but clearing out the like it, it, in short, clearing out the garbage inside of me allows room for me to even consider uh, to have any kind of spiritual practice. So. With that being said, Patrick, what is your spiritual practice if you have one on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, um, so the cornerstone, I guess, is morning pages. Like, I just write longhand morning pages. Uh, I do a lot of praying in there, a lot of, uh, like, 10th steppy type work in there, and a lot of, like, vision work, um, and, uh, and just try to get creative in there like I think creativity is a is a way to connect with God um so yeah just like morning pages uh going to meetings connecting with other addicts and alcoholics uh being and and just like trying to be present with the baby the dog my wife like being fully engaged uh in real life in reality uh and occasionally, I did pray today because I was like, you know what? I, I was reviewing these questions and I said, I, I want to be able to say that I prayed. So uh, I did say a prayer aloud, um, which I, is, is something I do kind of throughout the day. I do a lot of like, uh, you know, God help me with this thing or show me, show me uh, some good direction on this, on this little thing. Um, and, you know, thy will not mine be done, etc. Like, just little kind of running dialogue throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, not, I mean, I'm not super, you know, I love, like, uh, crystals and tarot cards and all that fun kind of stuff. Because, like, I, I like imagining that there's a benevolent force out there that wants me to do good it's in the world. It's more fun you know? to believe. It's more fun yeah, to believe. Don't. That's my opinion. Totally, especially on 420, man. Just fucking believe it, dude. I love that. Yeah, you do have a lot of like woo. You've mentioned things where I'm like, oh, he got the woo-woo. Okay, I like that. That's fun. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I definitely have all those things as well. Um, uh, w- like, would you say, like, what is your concept you know, you mentioned you're like, you don't know what your higher power is. Like, what's your, 
Like, what what is your relationship with whatever that force is? Uh, I I like to envision it as a golden retriever with the spirit of Michael uh, Keaton. I think he's just like such a sweet man, funny guy. Uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, that's like a fun image to put toward it. But I think in general, it's just like the universe wants positive vibes. Like I, 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 I like the idea of vibrations and wavelengths. And like we all know the feeling of like when you're in a groove in the world and, you know, every conversation you have in a day, you've got a couple of zingers and you get some laughs or or you just kind of get where a person's coming from, or you can tell you're, you're articulating yourself in a certain way. Like, I like when the rhythms of life all kind of fall in together. And, and I do think, like, there are ways we can, like, align ourselves with what God wants us to be doing. Um, like, you know, I think I was talking the other day about, like, The Alchemist and, like, uh, the, that book, it's like the basic thesis is like, we are born, like God tells us from the day we're born, like what we're supposed to do. And like, there's no searching required. Like it's already inside of us. And, uh, there are days when I, I drop down, I drop down, I drop my like white knuckled hands that think I can like force my way or fight my way to, whatever I want, whether it's money or a person's affection or a gig or whatever. And I just let life happen. Usually um, getting out of the way kind of frees up the universe to like give me something uh, better or sufficient or different or exciting in a different way. So uh, I don't know. I think there's just like there's something magical happening. And if I can just like have faith in it um, and get out of my head that there's not enough of it uh, and just trust that there's abundance available. And I just got to like, um, I'll throw one more metaphor in here. I love the boat metaphor of like, my only job is to paddle the boat and let God steer it, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so just show up, but do, do my part, but don't overthink it. Yeah. We did like it. Like I said, I said a lot of nonsense. I think we did there, it. But you were great. Yeah, well, I mean, belie- believing in anything is vulnerable in general, and that is a lot of nonsense out there. So, I mean, we, we're landing the plane right now, guys. Uh, what would you tell someone just like you in the world listening to this podcast right now? Uh, I would say you are as sick as your secrets i do believe that again i was like fully prepared to start a double life that would have led me back to using like there's no way i was gonna have this secret like sex life and not like just start drinking my balls off to deal with the pressure of that right Um, using or suicide those are kind of it feels like those are the options yeah 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 um so just get really honest no matter how weird the shit is you're into like uh, you know, my, I'm like into like, uh, I like, I like powerful women, um, harming me in a sexual way. And I'm not ashamed to say it anymore. Uh, I like dressing up like a lady myself sometimes, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, whatever. Like there's like, I would have been so ashamed to say that out loud on a podcast, even just a, a couple years ago. 
but now it's just like I don't care who gives a fuck I'm a 40 year old man I'm in the world trying to help people uh, sure I have some proclivities but um, that not everyone should go around sharing their proclivities I'm just trying to uh, show that um, talking about it in a free and light-hearted way is a way honestly to, um, none of that which you shared just now is shameful other than your old MC names, your old rapper names. Yeah, I, I'd say yeah, that would be the thing you got to keep close to the chest, but yeah, yeah that's I the mean, most embarrassing. everything else has been beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and I, yeah. I've had friends that have really struggled with like, you know, the S program kind of stuff. And like, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, the inability to express. And I, and I empathize with that because I you know, for many years of my recovery, I thought if somebody saw my boobs one time, they got five years of my life, you know, and I had to learn mm. how to be single. It's a wild thing to have a therapist tell you, you have to learn how to have a one night stand. You know, you have to learn to enjoy mm. your body uh -huh. and figure out what you like and, and, um, and, and to have some wild oat sowing experiences, you know? And so in, in, in a way it's like, um, I, you know, I just empathize. None of us are perfect when it comes to sex. We got to talk about it. And it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to talk to somebody yeah. you love, your partner. The, they didn't, you know, maybe the representative who showed up to the first three months of the relationship didn't mention it, you know. And if the representative mm -hmm. didn't say it, it makes it very difficult for the real you to say it. I, I totally. Yeah. Yeah, I empathize there. It's I mean, you're incredible. Patrick, you're incredible. Oh, thanks. Thanks. But yeah, that was like, just real quick, I just want to say yeah. the headlines, I would say to me, if I could, uh, yeah, don't like find a safe person to be 100% honest yeah. with, obviously do it with boundaries. Um, and then like, I, when I was in my 20s in college, I was obsessed with productivity and like doing and getting things done. And it drove me crazy. Uh, and it came from that scarcity complex. Like if I don't do a lot, I'm not going to get a lot. Uh, just I think if you're a perfectionist or a people pleaser, chill the fuck out, relax. Easy does it, but do it. Um, f be gentle, because uh, like people like me can like hear a lot of this language and be like, oh my god, I've got to do all this stuff and I need to do it perfectly and I need to do it now. I think there's like di different people need different things and just like be honest about what your needs are and what your desires are. Uh, but, but uh, you know, just be, be kind to yourself and, and gentle. Um, and there is enough for everybody. Like, there is abundance. Yeah, Patrick! Crushed it. We did it, gang. We podcasted. Patrick, where can people find you and your work? Oh, uh, Instagram. I guess I communicate most on Instagram, and I'm trying to ride Stephen Colbert's uh, coattails for, you know, 10 years now uh, at the Whole Bear Report on Instagram. Um, and Ross, my wife and I have a podcast calls, called Who Cares About Ross and Patrick? And uh, that podcast you can find on Instagram with all the info at who.cares.podcast. Um, and if, yeah, if you're curious about any of these stories, I told briefly today... We hash it all out from about episode 50 on. So check out that podcast. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, I love it. I love it. Dave, where we can be? And she would, by the way, she would certainly do this podcast if you really would like to have her. Yes, 
Yeah. Yes. I absolutely. Yeah. I'll have our people contact your peoples. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll talk we'll talk to the person who handles our booking. Uh right. right. <laughs> you can find me on all things at Yates Comedy, Y A T E S Comedy, Instagram, Twitter. Uh just put up a whole bunch of show dates because I am fully vaccinated. So come see me do comedy. If you have a problem with me doing comedy, blow me. Uh, I'm out in these streets trying to make a living. Uh, and if you want to support in other ways, you can buy hot sauce at ha ha hot sauce uh, on Instagram and ha ha hot sauce dot com that is my delicious merch that you can buy for yourself uh anna where can people find you and this podcast you can find me at anna v is fun on twitter and instagram you can also find me at annavalenzuela.com for show dates i will update it i will i will i promise um and i will be sending out you listen if you listen to this podcast and you are booking shows you're doing things prepare to get an email because mom is fully vaxxed as well um and uh if you would like to um get a hold of this podcast you can find this podcast at 12q pod on everything everything 12q pod twitter 12q pod instagram 12q pod uh i think it's still 12 questions on facebook but i tried to change it i don't know facebook's a nightmare and uh, you can find us at Gmail. And again, we would love to have an episode where listeners... Where it's just all listeners' questions, yeah. Ask us 12 mm. questions and we answer them. So we're very excited. Do we have any questions yet? Has anybody sent in questions? We've had questions in the past, like, do you, like can I be on your podcast? Well, We've had people like reach out for yeah, that. Yeah, that's not a question. Yeah. Ask us a question besides can I be a guest and we will try to answer it in the 12th. We format. also appreciate those questions as well. You know, it's it is um and we appreciate your I just meant to make a whole episode. That's what we should do. We should have a, a, a episode of 12 people yes. that have asked to be guests on this podcast and, they all get one and then question. we'll talk about all 12. Yeah, yeah, they all get one question. Yeah, no. I actually um and I just want to give a shout out for those of you who send us messages or send the Unpops network uh yes. messages we really about appreciate us. appreciate it. We really appreciate it cuz we are like we're we're the best kept secret trying to become the best kept like headline so like you know so come out there tell your friends tell your family uh tell your recovery people and if you're not a recovery person but you you happen to really like having deep conversations tell your deep talks friends about this podcast because we definitely um we value doing it and um you know it it allows us the karmic space to go out and you know tell dick jokes so it, it helps um but uh yeah but yeah um how we end this podcast every single time dave do you want to do it you did one of these do you want to do it no, do you want to I, I pointed at you how we end that's, this that's me pointing at you how we end this podcast every single time is patrick if nobody's told you this today we love you love you patrick thanks oh, for doing it thank you so much that feels so good i love you both as well you and dave if nobody's told you this today we love you fucking yuck i know i love you to my sweet and if you are listening to this and nobody's told you this today we love you thank you so much for listening we love you everybody thanks for listening have a good rest of your day peace